1: yak yeah, gadget for all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs go to yakgadget.com. eastport marina on the beautiful shores of dale hollow lake for all your lodging kayaking and fishing needs go to eastport.info now let's get this show
2: started how you doing everyone welcome back to the mindset podcast on the paddle and fin network uh, we have a special guest, Drew Gregory, today. But before we get to him, I want to do a few announcements. First off, we have our tournament at Eastport Marina going on from March 31st to April 3rd. I will be there. There's a bunch of paddle and fin hosts that will be there. Then also, we have going on all year long is our fantasy fishing on uh, paddleandfin.com/slash/fantasy, and uh, I just signed up myself. And still need to put a team in. So I need to get, get on that. But uh other than that, let's bring in Drew. And I just noticed my camera angle is completely My my kids must have messed <laughs> with this camera angle. <laughs> you're good man you're good
3: yeah. you're like those kayak anglers that are uh you know holding up pictures of their fish pre-fishing kind of uh. kind of stealth like you know i yeah. you know, change that camera angle to the sky in the background yeah. and half half my body in the fish
2: <laughs> Yep, yep. how you doing today man
3: i'm doing good man just just yeah. hanging in here you know up in the cold up here in ohio still but it's it's not too bad i mean everyone told me before i moved up here like hey, it's long winters and cold and snow and Oh, honestly it's not been that bad really I mean, well you
2: got the snow blow i've seen the pictures of that yeah oh yeah
3: <laughs> we definitely have the snow that, that was prefer... a smart move the snow blowers it's yeah. been nice got one of those uh battery powered ones too so it's yeah. nice and quiet i can listen to the paddle and fin and the headphones while i just plow the uh you know snow blow the whole driveway so it's pretty sweet and that's what i like about being so far up north here in the you know we're in kent ohio it's kind of near cleveland akron and it gets cold enough where you actually get like real snow. If you're going to live yeah. up North, man, I say like, you might as well just do it. And you know, just where there's dry snow and you're not just constantly getting 34 degree rains. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of nice. So it's not bad. You don't have to, I don't have to wipe our dog dog's paws like crazy when they come in and out. Cause it's all just dry snow and it's nice. They're not all muddy and, and wet all the time. Now they will be in the spring, yeah. but that's another story.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, um dealing with it in chicago here there's it's snowing. Yeah. it's it was a, like negative 20 like a couple weeks ago but you know we're dealing with it yeah before it, you know it it's springtime that's right and we yeah. you know
3: fortunately for me and, and hopefully you some as well and, and others who kayak fish you get a chance to get out a little bit you know break the winters up by doing some of those tournaments that are down south that start yeah. early usually my year does start out like that uh this year we happen to have a little newborn little little girl um so i wanted to stay here with mom and you know we have a a toddler as well so well he's three and a half years old i don't know if that's still considered toddler either way
2: my four year old finds a way to make every podcast (laughs) yeah right
3: (laughs) so you know how it is man so uh, i just wanted to be here and hang out with her and start my season a little bit later at the the Bassmaster uh, Kayak Series Championships in early March. So that's when I'll get out. But if you break it up, the winter's not bad, and it forces you, honestly, this has forced me, you know, just how winter kind of starts in November or whatever, and it ends, you know, who knows when, like April around here. But it forces me to do a lot of the organizational stuff and the business side of the fishing, which I feel like is, there's a lost art, and a lot of people aren't doing that side of it which is critical to the winning you know what i mean it's yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of like uh man i we was watching that last dance um uh, documentary with michael jordan uh, recently still have never seen that it's really good if you haven't watched it but the the gm of the bulls you know you're from chicago so i figured this is kind of applicable yeah. here he uh back in the day whatever krauss he was always saying you know organizations win championships and he got misquoted a little bit but his point was there's no doubt about it. You know, he, he had to bring in all those people. You have to give him credit for that. He brought in all those players, all those coaches, you know, everybody underneath him, the whole organization is actually what, what won. So I guess what I feel like we, we lack at as anglers so far as these top tier tournament anglers who are trying to do this full time, or even the ones who aren't there, even the YouTubers and other folks that are trying to do it full time there, the business side of it is what we got to get a little bit better at because I think we just feel like there's this this dream out there. Oh, you just go fish every day and somehow magically, you know, sponsors and yeah. money and income that's gonna help you do that falls in your lap, but that's not the case. So the organization, yeah, the just whole talking the whole thing about that the,
2: last night with another yep. guy.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's hard, man. It's a business, it is hard to do and, and pull that side of it off. Yeah. It's it's almost just as much of a skill and talent as the actual fishing side. And it's tough, man. Not only do you, do you have to be a good angler these days to do it for a living you got to be good at the other part of it too so anyway i won't get get us too far into the weeds there but, but uh <laughs> you're fine it, i mean the I winner whole conversation on it last night with Did somebody you... yeah it's per right. it's a good one to maybe talk about on and i'm sure it's been talked about before on podcast but anyway i guess my point is the winners up here have, have forced me to like hunker down organize and get that other side of of you know full-time fishing in order so yeah i'm just looking at everything i look at everything as a positive you know, so
2: yeah well i mean that's the best way to look at things yeah. you know i know right. i just got called uh brian called me about the show that in madison i'm excited to go do that it's not fishing but it's fishing related you know and it mm-hmm. with the sponsorships you have to do stuff like that so you might as well make it fun you know?
3: exactly i mean that's what this is all about at the end of the day we are doing this you know, for fun. People yep. do go and travel across the country to fish the tournaments for fun, even though it's serious. They take it super serious the same way, like I said, you know, in that documentary, you know, Jordan is out there to have fun. He enjoys the <coughs> basketball, but he's serious about it. His fun is winning, if that makes sense. So, yeah. you know, you can you can be, it's, it's hard to be kind of a laid-back, jovial, kind of nice guy, sort of during a tournament weekend, if you will, when you're also there to be serious about winning and that's that's also fun to you. You almost have to those two are hard to like kind of I don't know, like juggle those two yeah. personalities. You're either real serious and hardcore about it and you're not drinking and you're not laughing, pushing each other in the bushes till one in the morning at your Airbnb. <laughs> uh, you know, or or you are doing that and that's your gig. Like you just want to have fun, chill and you don't really care about winning because this is this is a sport like any other sport you don't see the top athletes in the world in their sports respective sports you know doing that you know they have these insane workout regimens and you know Tiger Woods you know he always talks about his scheduling and what he does and he took golf to another level with the workouts and uh his practice uh methods and things like that and you know you look at major league fishing and the elite series and all those guys I mean they're it's getting more and more just Series. hardcore man serious yeah. yeah so but you see everyone. a lot of
2: those guys they're even taking their health into more and more of a yep of a better situation versus the old you know when you look back right. it, fishing was all the bass fishing was always the guy with the bear belly drinking bears fishing and nowadays, it's like kind of did a complete 180 on that
3: that's true, man. It really is. I've noticed that. As a matter of fact, that's the only knock. Or well, not only, there's a couple of <clears> things I, I think that MLF could tweak, but if they could tweak one thing, I mean, every fish counts is, is changed the way bass fishing has played. Like you don't, you don't have a chance to take a big risk to go 40 miles up the lake or down the lake to a spot where, you know, you might could catch a six pounder or seven because you think I'm going to waste all that time. And somebody else is over there catching two pounders, and that's gonna, three two pounders is going to beat me. So you need that time. So what it, but what it has done uh, in terms of what we're talking about is, I've seen the younger guys who are faster and, like you said, work out more athletic. There, it's about speed and and just the athleticism. It really comes into play. It does matter, and because they're counting every fish, it matters even more because it's not like you can just relax and chill or take a big gamble and go up the, the lake necessarily it's it's not every single two pounder <laughs> counts. so it's and it's becomes a little bit more of a you know I'm a little not, bit more it, athletic and endurance sport where i kind of like the five fish format where i mean there's pros and cons Honestly, i like the five fish yeah.
2: format because my fishing style fits it a yeah. lot better right I, I i normally catch only about 10 fish but i'm always looking for the biggest fish like you said making that long run for the six pounder.
3: Yeah. And to me, that's, that's a little bit more exciting seeing the big fish as opposed to a bunch of smaller ones. Now I know that they're always looking for spots with big ones, but I'm just saying in certain instances, they cannot, they cannot make a two hour run. Like they just can't risk it. That's too much time they're giving up to the field. That's going to catch a bunch of two pounders. Whereas in the five fish format, once you've got a decent limit of, you know, three, four, five, you know, a full, you know, limit, especially of, of two, three pounders, I mean, you can, you can go take that risk and go make that run because otherwise you're going to keep catching the same two, three pounders you've been catching if you found out that's what the size of this, these fish are. Now you can take that risk. You could drive an hour and a half. I've, I'm telling you right now, I drove on Lake Champlain, the tournament for Hobie. Um, I got second in that this past you know 2021. I drove to the complete southern end in the middle of the tournament. I drove an hour and a half. I, I loaded up. Uh, from the northern end and drove down an hour and a half. You can't do that in an MLF-style tournament. with It's just too big of a risk. So yeah. I like the five fish, too, because it it allows for cool storylines and people to, to make aggressive and, and risky moves, which I think is a better um, product on TV and a better storyline. Uh, but they're just going for the fact that they live stream, and therefore every fish counts as a better storyline for them because then it's exciting because it's every more, fish – Well, it's is more in, action, more too. More action, right. Yeah. So I get it.
2: But. Yeah. It's anyway, a great so what we <laughs> yeah so
3: what are we talking about today?
2: <laughs> it was a great way to start it. We kind of went right into a tangent right away, but it's fine. I mean, it's all relevant. Um, what I wanted to bring you on here today is, I heard you on uh, I believe it was the final cast with, uh, talking about Crescent Kayaks, but more importantly, talking about how simple you like to fish. You're like a four rods, one, you know, one kayak. If you don't need electronics, you don't use them. Right. You know, and that's similar to like me. I carry two spinning rods, a flipping rod, and it's a bait caster. Mm -hmm. And I try to break it down. I was talking to the guy yesterday. I try to break it down to where I know exactly what I'm going to do come tournament day. I feel like you do the same.
3: I do. Yeah, that's. You, you, you described it pretty well. I mean, I mean, that's why I got into kayak fishing, you know, with river bass and people know me for that. And uh, we're kind of revamping that brand a little bit and doing some more stuff with it this year, which we'll announce later on in the year. But, um, and we have our river Bassin podcast that Ken Morris and I do. And it, you know, it streams on the paddle and fin network as well. But um, that's why I got into kayak fishing. So I didn't want to, when I got into the uh, and so just so everyone knows I got into kayak fishing because it was the best tool, right? It's simple, it's lightweight, it's easy, the best tool to fish rivers, which is what I love. So then, you know, I I started my own tournament trail river bass and did that for eight years. I did hooked on wild Waters show, uh, hosted that for five years. Um, it's all about fishing remote wild places, the places where the kayak, you know, pretty much only the kayak can go. So when it went in about 2016 or 17, wherever that first KBF national championship was, where I believe Matt ball won about $35,000 when he won, uh, he won out of a Jackson Cusa HD, which is the boat that I designed back when I was with Jackson. And so someone sent that to me and we, you know, said, Hey, man, this guy just won this national championship out of your boat, you know. And, and that felt like amazing, just incredible that something that I designed helped somebody accomplish that, you know. And, but it also made me think, I said, Wow, um, like there's tournaments that pay this much now because back in, you know, in the day there weren't. And so, someone said, well, you got to go next year. So I went the following year and did pretty well. And that qualified me for the next year's championship. So I didn't have to fish any of the, the trail stuff stuff. And then I did well again, you know, like I think it was like fifth place or something. And then, then it qualified me for next year. So I did. And then I, I think that next year, I finally did fish a few other tournaments. And then I got second at the national championship in 2019. And at this point, it's like, four tournaments in, you know, four, well, maybe five or six. I did some FLW, KBF stuff. But my whole point is like the whole time I'm just fishing like my style still. And it started to make me realize I enjoy this tournament thing. This is fun. I do enjoy it. I didn't fish tournaments growing up really. Not not a whole lot. Just a few. Um I just, like I said, got the kind. Yeah, it's, go. it's
2: similar to me. I didn't learn really? about tournament fishing until I was like nineteen twenty. 20. My, my little nephew is the one who told me about it. He's oh, like, really? We were we were fishing a pond, and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna he's, he's uh, caught a fish," and he's like, "Yeah, I could win the Bassmaster Classic with this." I'm like, "What's that?" You know, <laughs> <laughs> all I knew was I'm going fishing to have fun. You know, up until That's that it. point,
3: that that was me, man. That was it, <laughs> and it's probably also because my dad, who really is the the main one. I mean, my my parents uh, both fish. My mom and my dad, my grandparents all fish, but none of them fish tournaments they had bass boats they just fished for fun or back in the day in east texas where they're from all my grandparents lived it was more for fun and for food right and so they fish the brackish waters they catch redfish sheep's head you know whatever so it's never occurred to me that this is like something you could do competitively and at that point in my life i gotten you know i just got to the point where i had you know developed my skill set where i'm catching tons of big fish like all the time I, I joke around with people say you know I'm, I met my wife when I was 35 and until then I just dated the river and that was it I just fished, fish fish so <laughs> I developed my skill set and I'm not saying I ever got bored of fishing still because I didn't but tournaments added this new element right uh, you know because it's like sure. anything once yeah you want to have a little bit a little bit more once you get a taste of something that's good you kind of want to take it to another level and then eventually
2: it's a completely different yeah. mindset too
3: it is. Boom. There you nice. go. There's the, the transition hey. the mindset. And it, and it changed, it changed. Let me put it this way. It, it changed the way I felt about a 12 inch fish or catching a 14 inch fish. Whereas, you know, I'd caught so many of those and I'm just only looking for big ones. Uh, just fun fishing those days, like big shoal bass or big small mouth bass in the Southeast where I live. And now it totally changed. Like my mindset, like you said, like a 12 inch fish mattered, a 14 inch fish mattered because they are, a fish that counts on your five. Right. So yeah. now I'm having, now it's cool because I I still enjoyed fishing wild places and rivers. And the fact that in these tournaments, I could still do that. And I did not have to deviate from the reason why I wanted to be in a kayak and not in a bass boat. It's like this perfect marriage. You know what I mean? Like yeah. together it's like, Oh, perfect. I can compete, which I've, I've always been into sports my whole life. And my master's degrees in sports management. I love competition competing in sports and it was just this perfect marriage. I was like, Oh man, I can compete. And also, uh, you know, still get to fish my style river bass in the wild, wild places. So that's why I stick to, to that method. Uh, it's also just what I know the best. I know, um, uh, there's a lot of folks out there who, who, you know, can go offshore. They can fish a lot of the places the bass boats go, which have schools, you know, of hundreds of bass at times, or even thousands on some of these big lakes. But, um, uh, you know, I just wanted to stick with, like you said, a few rods, a paddle, a tackle box and just see if it would continue to work and hold true. And the more people keep getting the electronics and more of the stuff that's creates the these many, the sh- the many boats. The banks. Yeah. The more I'm exactly, the more I'm like pushing the opposite direction yeah. uh, in some respects, at least I look for those areas. That's my preference. I still want to fish the areas that are the most fun for me. So um, those, Smaller, you know, backwaters, creeks, hard to reach places, things like that are where I always shoot for. Uh, with that small crescent ultralight um, and a, a new, a new boat I got coming out um, here a little bit later this year. So I mean, that's kind of what I'm always striving for. And the more people get the other stuff, it almost, like you said, opens maybe opens the door up for that style to be continue to be successful. Uh, but I will say this: I do have like a crescent uh, makes a solo skiff. It's yeah. a little mini boat basically, but it's uh it's legal for the kayak tournaments. It's roto molded product because it's made to be push pulled or paddled or whatever. And I am, you know, got a motor guide on that and I've got the, the pan optics. Uh, I, I'm going to install it here soon. I keep saying that any day I'm going to install that thing. <laughs> and, um, so there are a few situations where that may come into play, but it's never like what I'm going to like go into a tournament. It's not going to be the first thing I do pre-fishing or whatever. It's never yeah, going to be like, what that's I what really I to like
2: you, you, um, your first choice is to go as simple as possible. And then you bring in those other, other aspects and boats when you feel it's needed. Right. You know, and like, I feel like that's, it's, you're a good person to look up to in the sense of the guy who doesn't have a ton of money to put into electronics and everything can still go out there and compete, you know, versus, versus what the, you know, the sponsors, And everything else puts out there,
3: right? That's true. I mean, you know, it's like this: like if you're really doing something at the highest, highest level, yeah, you could, you know, you could make the argument. You need all those tools. You need multiple boats, like a big one, like I'm talking about with your electronics, because not every tournament can be won with my style. It's just it, it can almost be done, but not quite. You know what I mean? It's just there are times of year, there water temperatures, times of year, certain bodies of water. If you look at um a lake st clair for example like i just don't think you're winning up in skinny water against the main lake you know five pound average smallies you know four and five pound average that people are going to catch when you go to st clair 100 inches right so i just don't think it's certain lakes it's not going to compete you go to um lakes in like east texas is a good example mississippi louisiana you know a lot of those rivers and creeks flow in kind of tannic and the bayous don't have good size um And there's, there's lots of places of all across the country. Florida has got some that are good examples where, yeah, you might find a little trickle of a Creek that flows in, but it's never going to have the size that's in the main Lake Um, Lake Fork's a great example. It's really fed by nothing. There's like two little small, two or three small creeks that drain into it. And you don't, you can't really get up them very far. And they're just, there's just nothing there. And then therefore there's not going to be any size there. So it doesn't work all the time, but it's definitely if you're just getting into this, you're fishing local club tournaments or regional stuff, even national stuff because there there's enough tournaments in the national schedule where you can cherry pick the ones that fit this style, and you don't have to go, you know, to to the ones that don't. So yeah, it's definitely man. doable, man. But if you really are the looking to compete at the highest of highest levels, you, you probably need all all the tools. This exact same way that uh, a guy in a bass boat these days, uh, if you look at guys like John Cox or Whoever they still have uh he's a skinny water, shallow water guy. He's known for that. Yeah, so but he still has he a... still has it because it might only help you in one or two <clears throat> events out of the, the 15 or 20 he fishes a year. Well, he fishes like 30 or 40, but <laughs> most guys fish like 15, 28 total events a year. Uh, most of those pro bass guys, and, and I'd say a lot of the kayak guys are in that 15, the ones that are really kind of PKA's, right? The ones who are yeah, professional kayak anglers are aspiring to be. They fish, you know, 15 to 25. So uh, I fish probably 13 14 so maybe 12 I would say 12 to to 20 something are the ones who are trying to kind of do it more full time but they uh they still you know they still need um the other tools as well but anyway it, we're we're here to talk about the mindset where you you don't if you're just using you know. the the one simple so uh we can get yeah, into so,
2: um Take me through kind of – I know I've heard it before. I know you talked about it before, but like uh, mindset of like going into a tournament, uh, realizing what you need for a tournament kind of, and then like like I need to learn how to pack for a tournament. Also prepare, obviously Google Earth, do your research and all that. But especially going out of your comfort zone where it's not in your area or your state. How do you prepare for that? That's very tough
3: uh, because I know a lot of the <clears throat> anglers that are listening to this right now are new or, you know, new on the national scene where they are forced to go out of their comfort zones and from the region or state. And, and from and,
2: Illinois, you have to go out of your state, right? especially yeah. this year because they added new laws, but that's, it's another mm-hmm. podcast. That
3: is, that is, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's very much a challenge because, and I'm, I'm, fortunate that like I said I've done this a long time and been blessed to travel uh when I filmed hooked on wild Waters for 5 season we went all over the, the country for that so I I was you know was able to fish the Ozarks <laughs> rivers and lakes uh more rivers really like for me you know uh I was able to fish you know in in places like that and in places in the southeast and everywhere in between and you know whatever I mean you, just everywhere Mid- I've been kind of all over the country already but it took kind of learning uh those river systems, the backwaters, the species, the different species that are there that come into play, it kind of took learning all of that to kind of piece it all together and put it all together and I feel like that's what has helped me do so well in all different parts you know of the country um and it just nothing will ever kind of trump that experience you have, yeah, obviously, you can listen to podcasts, you can do all your research you can, and that'll help it definitely helps a lot because. Fish are sort of – the bass, I should say, are very similar in how they act everywhere across the whole U.S. It's just that they're using a different type of cover to stage, whereas it might be the, the – in Florida, it might be the point of a grass mat, right, the very front of a point, and the wind is blowing, and that is acting like the first rock in a river or the first rock in a, a lake where the wind is blowing, and it's like the biggest rock in the at the end of a point, let's say – uh, or in a river that where there's about to be a rapid, and there's a bunch of big boulders before the rapid. Like the that first group that's out there, it's a likely spot to catch a fish. And you just gotta picture it different, like a grass mat with wind blowing on a current for a lake, for example, um, or in a river. Uh, like down in Florida, the rivers have a lot of you know grass you can flip and pitch and hydrilla too. Yeah, and I heard get,
2: the, I heard the grass what? in Florida is kind of like their uh, like like their channels that they go through. I haven't fished in mm-hmm. Florida.
3: Yeah, no, it does. I mean, there's there's, there's actually like paths and, and you know, through the, the grass, like little, uh, like you said, channels and highways, if you will, they can kind of swim yeah. to and from. But when you look at it, it's just this giant bunch of grass. But when you actually realize that, okay, that's a, there's an indention in the grass here, or there's a, a point of grass here. And then, hey, look, there's there's a point of hydrilla and mats here and lily pads up against it all Connected, and that's the only spot I see a lily pad you know, isolated lily pads in this giant patch of hydrilla. That's a unique feature that's no different than the combination of, uh, in a smallmouth stream when you got a bunch of rock that they love, but then you also happen to have a big tree that's fallen down right in that sweet spot of beautiful boulders and rocks where they're going to be. It's like, oh my goodness. That's the magical combination. Well, now the magical combinations just change, but fish are still—I mean, bass are still bass. But what you're looking at and how it works changes. Like take lakes and uh, you know wherever uh, Highland Reservoir lakes that have these clay banks or just kind of rock banks or sandy banks, and then all of a sudden it transitions to um, like a rocky cliff, right? Or it transitions from you know a little small gravel to sand, or on those transition points, everyone kind of knows if you're a lake angler. They do like those transitions. So now, for example, down in Florida, the transition just happens to be it could be different types of grasses coming together. It's all a bunch of hydrilla that changes to you found some eelgrass right here next to it. And now it's more mule, eelgrass here. Well, rather than just randomly in the middle of those two types of grass, I'd focus more on where they're joined if that makes sense. Yeah. So it, that's all it is. you're just trying to piece together you know how it how it works in that you know, ecosystem compared to what you're used to in your home, you know, bodies of water. And once you, once you kind of see the matrix, if you will, um, and and it, it kind of all connects, it all comes back and you're like, I get it now. This is equal to this where I live and that's why they're here and start kind of figuring the puzzle out, but doing it by the style I do is very challenging because you know, you're in skinny water. And uh, if you want uh, in a second here, I'll, I'll let you ask this next question. I want I do want to get into the mindset of uh basically all the pitfalls and what you have to be aware of if you are going to get into tournament fishing with this style um uh, there are a lot of things you got to look out for a lot of dangers and a lot of major risks that come with it uh, because you could very much very easily zero or do yeah. pretty poor going this this method too or not win uh because you know I'll get into it in a minute but it looked like you had another but, question
2: uh I did yep. yeah, yeah, slipped my mind when you're talking. <laughs> that's it's <laughs> uh, all right, man. All right, this is this is the question, then we could get into that. Um, do you feel somebody can go to their home waters and kind of start learning techniques and patterns that can help them in other? Because I feel like if you can figure out the pre spawn, spawn, and post spawn of the bass in wherever you're going for a tournament you can kind of figure out where to look for it, even if you're not there or not familiar with the area, as long as you've practiced your techniques on your home waters.
3: Right. No, you definitely yeah. can. What I would suggest for people that do have home waters, let's say you're, you're really good at catching them around docks or something or, and, and that's just what you always do. Cause that's where you catch them. I would say, well, if there's grass or wood or any other, you know, rocky banks, anything else, you know, the river or Creek sections, um try learning how to catch them in, in those situations because they're there are bass there in, in your lake. It's not like they're only on the docks. You just fish the docks because that's what you know and you enjoy. Yeah. But you but you've already kind of like figured that out. You know how to catch them on docks. So if you go to another lake, you know how to fish docks. Okay. So so expand a little bit on your your skills and your techniques. Try catching some fish offshore if that's what you're into. Um but like I said, more what I do, try try going up into some small creeks and rivers or some little backwaters that are hard to to kind of get into maybe that, that some, a lot of people just are, are a little lazy. Sometimes and they just don't want to do the work or they have a kayak that they can't get to certain places that, that maybe you have a kayak that can like a small little one, like I'm talking about try catching them in all those situations. Then you've at least exhausted all the skill set that your local lake can help you, you know, get really, really good at. So that's okay. what I would suggest. Yeah. And yeah then you'll no, take I... it to the other parts of the country.
2: I know this past year, anytime I was on like home waters, like there's a couple of times I went on the home river for smallmouth and I was practicing finding them deeper versus shallower, just finding that one point where they're sitting and stacked up and kind of recognizing like the current and where the current breaks and really trying to learn that this past year. And then also learning how to use a frog in -hmm. the grass this year because my hookups were horrible before this past year, you know, that's so like either learning a new technique or learning how to read, read the water differently is what I would be saying.
3: Yeah, man, no, it's, <laughs> you're dead on. Just, just take advantage of all right. that, that lake that your local lakes have to offer, because trust me, there'll be a piece of that somewhere else that you go uh, across the country for sure. So.
2: yep, yeah, And uh, we could get into what you were going to talk about, the downfalls of your yeah, techniques.
3: The, the mindset of <laughs> the mindset of doing this, you got to be very, uh, mentally strong and prepared for uh, many things. First of all, are you going to just cast a check or are you trying to go and win a tournament, right? It's like that's – you have to figure that out. Are you just wanting to just cast a check and you're happy with that or do you really want to hit a home run and win a tournament? Because that will matter a lot because um, Rivers and Creek's uh, me, I'll, I'll say this: sm- small and medium-sized rivers and creeks. I'm not talking large, Coosa River or Tennessee River. You know, La Crosse. you could run a boat on it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not talking those kind of rivers. We're talking like medium and small ones. The, you know, they're obviously feeding a lake because the tournaments are always, you know, titled a lake. Typically, you got a yeah. few ho- hobies like Susquehanna and and the Wolf and Fox River this year up in, I think Wisconsin. Um, that, but most of the time it's you know a lake, right? So. You're competing against um, two different kind of, you know, ecosystems that are very good, both at, at, you know, growing bass and holding bass. The issue is most of the time with all the creeks that are going into a lake, you know, you, you can have a fair good amount of like numbers of fish, decent amount of numbers of, in these locations. So, yeah, they might. Might work out for cashing just a check sometimes, or not even cashing a check, just getting a limit because getting a limit both days of a two-day tournament definitely does not ensure you're going to cash a check. But yeah. the um, the problem is that you know if you ever heard the phrase that the bigger the ocean, the bigger the fish, and yeah. that's what you're dealing with here. The bigger the lake is bigger with a lot of forage with shad and bluebacks and wife, you know whatever like all the different kinds of bait plus the brim and the crawfish and every other kind of food that that the rivers have as well. And those fish can be kind of lazy there. They can kind of grow and be a little bit bigger and especially heavier because they're lazy. But small creeks and rivers, um, typically the fish just don't get as big to so if someone is dialed, I mean dialed in with their offshore electronics or their or the panoptics, or they just know that lake really good. It's spring and in, in the main lake and the, the fish are all on the banks with moving baits and they can cover a lot of water and do that. It's very hard to win in a medium size or small, uh, you know, Creek or river. It's just hard. Cause you're, you're just not dealing with the same class of fish. It's a challenge. It doesn't always work in every place. Like I said, we talked earlier, there's, there's no Creek. You can win on Lake fork. There's no Creek. You can, you know, win on uh, whatever name, name, some other yeah. you know, that lakes like Sinclair, the ones we just talked about earlier on Erie or whatever. It's not going to happen. So, a, you got limited opportunities for it, and B, when you are there, you can't just roll up to some creek and just expect that magically, just because it's hard be to get there. to, yeah, the, the big, big enough fish to, to win are going to be there. So that's that's where, and you only have most people only have you know one, two, three days of practice. So if there's, uh, let's say there's a lake and it's got uh, you know six or seven fishable creeks, and I, when I say fishable creeks, I mean the last you know. 15 miles to the lake are floatable and fishable big enough uh small rivers or creeks you don't have time to go fish all of those right i mean there's just no way so maybe one or two of them have a good population of decent sized fish but a you gotta you gotta hit on the right ones and pre-fishing uh, and and then hope of course you got those sized fish are there and and hope that the the, the lake guys don't find them as good as they can as well and that's always a challenge now on the flip side of that you know you can you know the, the lakes are getting pounded by bass boats all the time right so this is the flip side to the, the
2: especially coin. in the national tournament
3: yeah exactly you got they're on weekends you got boats bass boats out there all the, every day of the week so there could be less competition uh you know in in some of these places like the, the backwaters rivers and creeks so that's the positive. The only other, you know, part about that as well. Yeah, there might be more more pressure on the main lakes, but if uh, if they've got you know a good population of bass, you might like. In other words, what's better being, you know, in a river, or creek, or where you have a maybe you struggle to catch fish of, of size, and you're catching good numbers, or be out there with a few bass boats on and finding an offshore spot that's got a school of a hundred two to, to five pounders like there's more big fish out there right so in yeah. theory it, it's just not my style because i don't like to just sit there and, and have the anchor mode on my motor if i'm using a motor or or you know just sit there and tread uh if are pedal if you're in a pedal drive kayak or a paddle just sit there and hold or anchor yourself to to fish that stuff that's just not as exciting to me but the fish are there and so who cares if there's bass boats all around everywhere if you find those you know because all the bass boat guys they're not like Incredible anglers, like we just think they are. They don't know what they're doing. A lot of them, most I mean, of them. So, so I was
2: saying this y- yesterday, where like we can, you know, just like mm-hmm. the national kayak tournaments, anybody can, you know, pay and be in a national event. That doesn't right. mean everybody is going to win or do great. I mean, we've seen right. a lot of people struggling, Kasimi. Yep. Um, this past couple of weeks, but yeah, the same yep. same thing with the boat. I mean. Technically all you need for a bass boat is the money. You yeah, know, exactly. You...
3: <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. it. You just get out there and, and the money. And then in these local tournaments and clubs that you don't even need that much money. You just, you know, need the money for the boat. Yep. But but it doesn't mean that they know what they're doing. So yeah, you're gonna see more people. There's gonna be more pressure. But are they finding these sweet spots and places on the lake that are not the obvious stuff on the bank, you know? Probably not. So you just got to make a decision on your mindset, right? Like we're talking about, are you an angler that wants to play that game in the lakes and go for, and go for broken, find these schools of just like right now, the major league fishing is on actually. uh, And Jordan Lee found a spot offshore in this lake and he caught an eight pounder, a seven pounder and a six pounder back to back to back on the main lake offshore on a spot that when he's sitting there and the cameras on him, it just looks like he's in the middle of the lake. There's no feature you can see. He's just, like how did he find that? Right. So those guys I mean, who were like, I had catch- a
2: situation like that last year, but I wasn't catching yeah. those six pounders. Yeah. <laughs> it was like twelve inch, thirteen inch, fourteen inch. <laughs> but they're Honest. there. Yeah.
3: You know, they're there. And he's catching them and then they prove it. The pros prove it. It just looks silly because they're just they're just out there and it just looks <laughs> featureless. You're thinking, where and how did they find this? The best yeah. guys in a lake can win any tournament. I think the best guys that, that fish, you know, wild places like I like to do could potentially win every tournament as well, but you've got to be the best at your craft either way. So you have to almost decide like who are you? You know, are you more electronics and you like looking at the Navionics maps and, and finding offshore sweet spots that, that the bass boats and the kite guys that no one else has found yet because they're all over you know all over the the bottom of lakes just, just hitting that people don't know about, you know? Yeah. Or are do you want are you more of a backwater guy like you know so then on the flip side to the struggle with a backwater uh, wild river basin, you know, strategy is a lot of these tournaments, there's only so much of that water available. So let's say like a lake, like Lake Wachita or Lake Lanier, I think they each have about 700 and something shoreline miles. Right. Um, And a lot of times the tournaments will only have the rivers that are going into it depends. Sometimes Hobie's got some cutoffs, but you might only have, again, we're comparing 700 miles of shoreline plus offshore structure on the bottom of the lake, right? All this water, I, I forget how many acres those lakes are. They're, they're giant, though, probably like thirty or forty, uh, you know, thousand acres. But you, then the rivers and creeks you, on these tournaments, you only have, you know, a little like maybe let's say uh, between all the rivers and creeks, you only have like forty or f- miles of of river and creek. So now, mm-hmm. if other people in in the kayak tournament are fishing that water and they pre fish and you stumble on the same thing together. Now you're taking those fish, and it's not like a school of you know again on the on the main lake being stuck on the main lake, uh, with, you know, three or four bass boats could be on the same school of fish and just keep catching them and firing them up and keep catching them on the main lake. Could be a hundred fish there, or thirty fish, or whatever. Maybe just a couple people end up on the spot you find, but if a couple people end up at the same small creek, or small river yep. on tournament morning, and you're not, it you don't know. With, yeah, happened that the that first
2: happened. tournament to me last year. Um, I yep. think we we all. We all fished it was a river event but we all fished the main river we right. all uh, we all decided that it sucked <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we all fished basically it looked like a creek on a map but it was the lower part of the river and right uh, Jackson and a couple other people launched the same place as me and I knew I just stayed back so I'm like if I'm following right behind them there's no chance I'm gonna catch no. their fish behind them. Right, you know, so I just stayed back and I just plucked away the ones that they couldn't get. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> it's it's a challenge, man. It so, really is. Because so yeah,
2: but what you're saying is like when you get the pressure in the creeks, it it really becomes a lot harder.
3: Very hard. So so I say that <laughs> to to say this, you got to be you got to have a backup plan. Yeah. So if you have a like when I drive around the the day before a tournament, uh, well, I mean, a, in pre fishing, one of the days of pre fishing, I drive around. I try to scout as many you know places as I can. What you have to do is basically have a plan B or C. If other people show up at the same little backwater little spot, have the same idea because these little places I go and fish, you're picking off one fish here, one fish there. It's There's never a giant school of fish. So if other people are there and they take, let's say there was like, you know, in this area or section of creek or river there's like five meaningful fish that even live there, right? Or five are caught that day. Well, if you're if, if somebody gets one and another person gets two another person gets two then the five fish you needed to to do well on that day of the tournament potentially were' all scooped up between the pie was split between everybody yeah. so you got to have a plan B you know and like or or, or just something like you said you got to figure something out you know between the people like hey look if we all stick here we all try to float down this together or whatever we're, none of us are winning and we're gonna be leapfrogging each other and getting ticked off we have to figure something out now because there's a chance we can still all win or do well, but if we all stay here, we're not, no one's going to do well. Yeah, it's just, And it's just the truth, but that's, that's a risk. That's why I'm saying it's very risky. The other part of this that is risky is the fact that um, it takes a while to figure out which creeks and rivers may be, you know, profitable, if you will, in terms of good fish or fish that could cash checks or win. And just because a place is, wild or hard to get to which is again it's stuff that i love to go to in tournaments i just feel like there's gonna be less people there um and they just don't do the work unfortunately i've spent a lot of time and wasted a lot of time which again you have to do it though going to a lot of these places that they're they're not near an access right so it takes you a long time to get there and it kills like an entire day of pre-fishing almost like like basically half a day or three quarters of, of a whole day you could baby spend going to one spot that you're, that you're hoping pans out. And if it doesn't, you're just hosed. I mean, you only yeah. got so many days of pre-fishing. So if you only have one day to pre-fish or two, you know, I, I usually get two and a half days of pre-fishing, three if I'm lucky. Um, if it's a new body water and I, you know, I, I, in this last year I did get some where I had like three and a half days of pre-fishing, but usually it's like two and a half. If you're in a situation where you can only get one day of pre-fishing, taking that gamble it's almost not ever you're not going to be worth it's it because then what do you do if it didn't pan yeah. out on tournament day all of a sudden you had one day to pre-fish you, you took a you know went for a hail mary trying to hit a grand slam it didn't work out and now you've just got nothing but you're basically pre-fishing on the tournament day so yeah. that's the other part of the mindset to this style that you've got to be prepared for it's uh you know and then the athletic part of it the the um the physical element that's very challenging. It's taxing on your body. You get very beat up potential to, to, you know, sprain some ankles or get a lot of cuts and scrapes, flip out of your kayak, lose gear in rapids. If if there's rapids on a river or just get swept into a a tree when you're fighting a fish, things like that, that, you know, just the river in general, forget, forget rapids, anything with moving water in general, it's just potential for things to go wrong. So you got to be prepared that that can happen and, and know what you're doing in those situations. Uh, but it's it those are the main challenges for sure.
2: Yeah. And well you have I've heard you have a strategy to your pre-fishing as far as hitting a spot real quick, seeing if yeah. something's there, picking up, going to another spot. You yeah. wanna kinda of talk a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, sure. I, I do like to see as much as possible just because <clears throat> you know you can once you see, the more you see, and I've used this illustration before, like Let's say you're picking out a car to buy a car or a house. Doesn't matter. But if you just look at, you know, the first couple, you know, or just the first one, never even look at another one. It might be a really nice house. You're blown away. But then after you look at 10 houses in in the area, the first one may not even come to mind anymore as being that great yeah. because you've seen them all you've seen the area that the schools that are nearby or whatever in the car it's the same way it's like this one looked good but then once you see the other ones you realize like oh wow that that you know whatever like that um 2012 Tacoma did not compare to the other 2012s I looked at even though the first time you saw it I mean Tacoma's uh, nice. Yeah. it's nice you're not gonna like say yeah. it's not nice it's <laughs> yeah. like dude it's nice so but then all of a sudden now you have something to compare it to. So I kind of take that strategy. I want to see as much of, you know, the river, the rivers, creeks and lakes as possible because what looked nice at the beginning may not be so nice by the time you get done. And then you really can assess now this area, you know, or that area had more of the cover I'd like to see or more opportunity to expand on it, to, to potentially be able to stay there, not have to jump out and move, you know, two or three times during the day. Um, and so plus of course what you caught there uh so it, i basically get out there and i catch f- some fish like you said I, I mean i'd prefer it if i get catch a nice one and if i do catch a nice one i'm, I'm out instantly like i'm gone i don't catch another nice one just one good fish that's okay. 17 inches long 18 and i'm like i'm out like no sense in even staying around at that point for me but if i'm only catching some 12s or 14s i'll stick it out through you know three or four fish pre-fishing to just see if anything big is there um and if not, then now I've learned something because I've taken mental note of, well, what was the water temperature, the color, the clarity, the amount of current, right? What was the, the cover? Was vegetation, wood, whatever? You, you kind of like bank all that in your head. And then when you go to the next place and you catch some, maybe there are some bigger ones and maybe some of those um, variables change there. And now you're like, okay, well, now I've got something going. And then you go to the next one and you might catch... A couple nice ones again, or not nice ones, and you kind of put the puzzle together like, oh, at the one spot, this is, you know, this looked very similar to that first spot where I didn't catch many big ones, and I didn't catch many big ones here at my third spot either. And they have a lot of similar characteristics. And anyway, and then if you catch big ones, obviously, you kind of can put what kind of the structure together, yeah, put the puzzle together, um, and where you want to focus. And then the other thing is, I don't on a two day tournament. This is the other part of the uh, the struggle to this strategy that uh, I forgot to mention. Two-day tournaments are challenging because, first of all, you're you're pre-fishing. Most people, they can't stop fishing and pre-fishing. And even in the area that I'm talking about, when they get into a spot and they catch some some nice fish, they just keep fishing. And they don't understand they're burning their fish
2: for tournament
3: day. day. And they also don't understand when they're not there on another day of pre-fishing, somebody else might be there burning those fish up too. So at least if I can... And maybe that person other people end up there during the tournament, maybe they don't doesn't really matter but if if everyone took the strategy and everyone's just not catching a ton of them, then there's gonna be more willing feeders on tournament day. so I'm trying to preserve as much as possible so uh because let's say it's just me that ends up in a spot like this. I don't want to rob for my own fish chances you know? and yeah, and then I'll figure out on turn on the a day two day tournament you need fish for two days so let's say. I don't have the puzzle and, and I never do. I never have it all figured out going into the tournament. That's why I always a nervous wreck because I don't really know where to go. I've got like yeah. seven places I caught fish and pre-fishing and I caught some of similar sizes here or there. I mean, I always tend to go to the place where, I mean, it sounds just kind of simple, right? But I go to end up starting on the place where I caught like my biggest fish and pre-fishing most of the time. You know? I mean, that's, that's kind of yeah. a thing for yeah. all of us. Right. Right. It's like, well, maybe there's more there. There's gotta be more at yeah. 19s. Like even if I caught a couple 17s at one spot and I caught a 19, I'm usually going to the place where I caught that single bigger one. And then and then I find out what that area has. But I always want an exit strategy, a quick exit strategy for the fact that if other people showed up, right, like I said, or for the fact that maybe that was a, a one-off random fish that wasn't a true pattern there, or maybe the area isn't, isn't as big enough to hold a lot of fish to last me an entire day of fishing you know what i mean which is often the case with me i I usually move you know not all the time but i've moved as many as five times in a day but you know yeah that
2: was going to be my next question uh do you plan your moves or do you kind of like do you time it because obviously we only have about eight nine hours Mm depending on the tournament i know last year there was a couple times where i kind of said if by this time if I have this amount or if I have this amount of inches or if I haven't caught anything, I'm leaving and I'm going to this place.
3: Yeah. That, yeah. I do t- have to time it. Um, I have to, yeah, keep track of Sometimes I'll set an alarm, but if it's going well at the first spot, then it's not as much of a concern. You know what I mean? If things aren't going well, then I have to, you, you know, you pay attention to that time you've set and you know exactly how far it is to get to your next spot, right? Like your next closest you know, potential spot and you set an alarm and it goes off and you kind of assess, you know, this is kind of the, my warning. If I want to get over there and have enough time to really find out what's there a- effectively and, and not have to just fly through everything and fish too fast or, you know, mess my style up, then I got to leave now. And then you make a decision like, okay, it's not happening here. This first spot I got to go. And then the beauty of, of the two days is once I sort of expand on these locations, and, you know, day one, I really know what I have. And then on day two, even if I didn't have the greatest at day one, but I, I probably eventually got to a spot where I had a, a decent stringer to keep me in the, the hunt, maybe for a check or for the win. As long as I'm in the hunt, then I now I now that I fished and fished hard in those spots, like for a whole day, like nothing I had ever done in pre-fishing, like really expanded on those areas and really figured out the pattern, learned so much more so much more than I ever could have learned in pre-fishing. Now I know where to go on day two to really maximize. And on day two, in theory, you know, I got a good chance of getting as much, if not more,
2: Okay. you
3: know, so, so anyway, but if, but most people do the opposite and it's, I get it. You know, a lot of folks don't have the, the same experience as I do to be able to just, just leave after they, you know, caught a few fish or know why they're, they're leaving and why they, why to go to another spot. It's, it's not easy to do but if you can do it uh, then it saves a lot of fish and it allows you to have a lot of fresh fish you know for the tournament but that is the hardest part trying to figure out a which which little pins on the map that I've chosen to even prefish to begin with well I've narrowed it down to those spots and then b once I've fished them in prefishing now how to narrow them down and like you said the um the map has a big part in your strategy on on moves because if you got a bunch of good spots in like this, you know, three or four places you could probably pick up and move within a, a 20 to 30 minute drive. So not too much time you're yeah, wasting.
2: That's how I feel like your, your strategy of the four rods and the light kayak is like almost perfect for making those moves where someone with a trailer or like I car topped mine, my kayak last year, and it felt like it was a half, well, I need to probably get better at it, but it was like almost 15, 20 minutes just to load the, this everything into the car. Yeah,
3: man. takes too versus,
2: long. Versus you, you just throwing it in the back of the truck and you're gone to exactly. the next spot.
3: Exactly. And you, you just kind of planned your strategy accordingly, have it all mapped <clears> out. And then, you know, if you're going to take a gamble for a place that's a very long uh Not a drive, but I'm talking like once you're on the water, it's a long paddle or motor. What I typically try to do is I end my day there or I start my day there. You never really want to – it's best if you just end your day there. You know, if it's a big – because then you have time to get back and get your photos uploaded and all that stuff. You know, they give you a couple hours. So, well, whatever, you have an hour to get your photos in. but. You either can start your day if it's a if it's a location that actually is a long drive from your uh, campsite or your Airbnb or hotel. You can it's smart maybe to start your day there. But then, if it's a long paddle or motor, it's it's and that's all you got is that one spot that's far away, very you know takes a long time to get to. You're killing time there and back. But uh, the only thing you you can potentially do is. if, if you can get there within half an hour, which a lot of the tournaments let you get on the water, you know, half an hour before first cast, yeah. then then you could say, well, you know what? It's all it's a half an hour away or it's a 45-minute paddle away. I'm only going to burn 15 minutes of fishing time. You could, you could risk it and do it that way, too. So there's a little bit of uh, how do I play this strategy, you know, towards either the beginning of the day on a super remote location or the end of the day. You've got to be one or the other. You can't just... You know, in the middle of the day, decide you're going to go paddle an hour away or drive an hour away. And then, and then all of a sudden, that's all you got in that area. And then have to drive an hour or paddle back an hour back because then you've killed two hours. If that makes sense. So you got to use that yeah. time at the beginning of the end to your benefit.
2: Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So I want to go back to pre fishing. That should have stopped you a little bit earlier, but yeah. it's fine. Um, when you're picking out your spots and going to the spots, if you like find them, say like you you find the mother load of fish and you know you're going to fish there do you kind of end your pre-fishing early or do you go and still check out a bunch of other spots or kind of yeah
3: that's a good question Uh, i rarely um i mean there are a few times especially once you get familiar and you've got some history but you can't ever assume that what you found is um is the best, you know what I mean? And, and for, for what I'm talking about, like I said, you don't know who else is going to show up there. You don't know what, uh, well, that's the other thing I forgot to mention about the risky part of doing this mindset is by the way, weather. So you don't know what weather's going to occur. So if you're fishing some small rivers, creeks, backwaters, they could, they could go from clear to chocolate milk overnight. So that's the other part of the gamble. I forgot to talk about that. You got to be very, very prepared for, like, what happens if your river rises, you know, three or four feet and becomes muddy, but you pre-fished all week. And this happened, happens a lot. I mean, all year last year, every tournament we fished, it seemed like pre-fishing was one way. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Bassmaster championship, we all pre-fished and and it, well, it just rose so crazy that the Possum Kingdom Lake day was chocolate milk. Pickwick, same thing, Lake Pickwick, KBF. It just flooded the day, like, you know, the night of the tournament before the 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 tournament.
2: Kissimmee and Lake Fork, same thing with the weather where, I mean, the lakes didn't rise, but the temperature went from 80s to 20s in a right. matter of days. So you know?
3: it it changes fast, man. So that's yeah. why you got to be prepared with all your exit strategies and your plan B's. Um, but uh, what was the what was the question again? Before I get too veered off, um, it was,
2: on... do you like? Because I know Gerald Swindle mentioned this in a seminar where he said oh, he stops. He stops yeah. fishing. Yeah. Because he said it, if he fishes till dark, if he does like what Ike does, where he goes from morning to dark, that it messes his whole tournament up.
3: No, I agree with that. I do. I I, want to be done on that final day. The, The goal is to be, I'll tell you what, I'll do what I do with my time. If I've found enough fish where I think I could, you know, do well and win this tournament a couple things happen. One um, I do want to end early and get checked in early because I want to get back because I'm kind of like Gerald in the sense that I need, <laughs> I need sleep. Uh, I, you know, I'm just not good with waking up early. I need like to get sleep. I can't stay. I'm just, you know, I'm 42 now. It's not like I, you know, I'm 21. I can just go to bed at whatever hour and then get up and I feel fine. Right. Yeah. So I need sleep and I need to be prepared because I hate wasting any time you know you've seen we've talked about my strategy i, I move a lot it's it, there's a lot of time i'm not casting so if i'm if i'm moving you know a couple of different times in the truck i can't have any you know wasted time so i'll pre rig as many baits as i can i'll get my rods already get everything you know everyone obviously gets their rods ready but i'm talking even pre rigging other baits and just getting every everything i can possibly do that that would you know like sharpen hooks everything anything that even it sounds silly, but sharpening hook for a few seconds, it, if it adds up to one or two casts by the end of, or changing out your treble hooks or whatever you do, little things like that on the water, uh, putting a new skirt on your bait, whatever it, it adds up. To, ta- it takes yeah, time. It always take time. Yeah. And so I, I'm sort of in the mindset of, you know, Olympic swimmers at one point started shaving their arm hair and, and chest hair for a reason. It was the same point yeah. two seconds over the course of an entire race. I'm in that same mindset. Like I'm don't want to waste any time possible. So that's what I do with my, this the uh, half of my day on that final day of pre-fishing. Usually you have to stop by four o'clock anyway, but I want to be there at check-in at that point. So I'm usually hopefully, hopefully done around one or two o'clock uh, and I, or, or sooner, but, but I'll say what I do like to do, even if I've already found fish, I still want to scout more locations on that body of water because, um, well, I'll give you an example. The very last moment of pre-fishing in, uh, it was the KBF Pro Series, uh, that COVID year, 2019 on the Claremont chain. The very last minute of pre-fishing before I could had to stop casting. So it was around 3, 3.30. I pulled up to a bridge um, and walked down to a, to a basically a canal area and made some casts off the bank and caught, you know, like a 15, 16 inch fish and had i and i'd found fish you know earlier uh, in that pre fishing right and it's already almost time to stop pre fishing i didn't have to keep scouting different pins that i dropped on my map to pre to to scout right i didn't have time to drop the kayak in so i just fished from the bank right there real quick and i caught a fish and on the first day of the tournament uh i went to uh i went to a spot this is actually perfect this lines up with everything i've said i went to a spot where all of a sudden I'm there with five other people and this is a small like Creek five or five or six other people were there. And I kind of went down a ways and then, you know, no one really, we weren't doing a float. So I went down a ways, I come back, I'm passing all the people. I was kind of in front fishing fast and and paddled, motored on down, you know, to start further down. And on my way back, you know, I'm, I'm fishing all used water. And I'm just like, I hate this. I'm fishing everyone's used water. I've got a limit. It's not, it's decent limit. I had some like 17 inch fish, but I'm not like close to not close to the top here. So I went and I packed up and because I caught a fish at the bridge at the other canal spot, I knew, dude, if there's fish of that at the bridge right there, just in that canal, surely there's got to be more fish up or down from there. So I went over there, I launched there. And uh, again, I, I only had maybe three hours, two and a half, three hours left to fish in the day. And I had no clue what was about to happen, but I was pre-fishing in essence because I already had a limit. It was, you know, I wasn't going to like kill myself by trying something new. I wasn't get, going to get any bigger. My stringer wasn't getting any bigger yeah. at the other spot. I was never going to get any bigger because we were putting too much pressure on that spot. And I caught a 21 and a half and that clued me in that there's big fish there. And I, I remember saying to the camera, like, you know, I'm coming for you, Jody, I'm coming for you, dude. You better <laughs> watch out. And so the, the next day, um, I was right. I mean, I exp- I had a chance to expand on that area up and down uh, and I ended up catching just hammering huge fish. I don't know what I think I had the biggest limit that the second day it was in the upper 90s. But I never caught Jody. He still won by like 10 <laughs> inches because he had such a good day on day one. But I got second place. But I, I never would have gone to that spot had I not back to your original question, had I not continued to scout and continue to just check off more boxes of spots that I wanted to see. And, and potentially put it in a fish. So, I mean, yes and no, if I found a good, a bunch of good fish, I'll still want to, to see more of the lake and cause you just don't know, like I said, weather, water conditions are going to change, rise. And maybe it's just the, the last three hours of day two or day one that like I did, that you end up going to that spot that you stumbled onto because you did stop and check it out. Uh, but I do, I do want to hedge it a little bit. Like I do want to get off the water um, you know, a little a, a early. Decent time you, you don't want to be ripped. I mean, because
2: right. I know, I know the the like normally tournaments Saturday, Sunday. So Friday, you kind of have to be off four or five o'clock, like you yeah. said. But like so, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday. Let's say you get two full days of practice. You're saying don't be out there till dark and wearing yourself yeah. out. But well, you right. don't like to. Yeah, you I don't, don't like to. be up there.
3: Not, yeah, I don't like to. Um, and, and the key, what I do is I've figured out, I bring, um, even though I keep it very simple in the kayak, where right, I really want to have three, four rods, have it very dialed in small kayak, just one box of one little box of tackle, one little bag of plastics, you know, some Z Man Elast And that's, that's in my dream scenario, that's it. Right. But, um, you know, it doesn't, of course, always work out like that, but that's yeah. what I want to happen. But what I do in order to help make that happen, which sounds, this sounds backwards and crazy. Everyone is shocked when they see Instagram stories or people that talk about this that have stayed with me. They say, Drew brings like the whole, his whole house with him to the Airbnb. <laughs> and I've got bins that like, they're all around here. These Plano bins are just everything I could possibly use, even though my goal is to not use hardly anything, Any, right? Yeah. but. It's like we talked about earlier. That one tool, that one, that one tournament this year or two that PanOptics helps me catch an extra fish or two or win or whatever. Um, it it matters, you know that that help for that event. So I may I need all that stuff because you don't know when you might need something, right? And so then, like you said, like your your strategy is as well. Even though I have it all there by Friday, I've got it figured out where okay, I'm building my tackle box this day, Thursday night yeah. or Friday, the day day before the tournament this is all I'm going to take and this is all I actually need based on what I've figured out. And then that's it. So then you pull from all that, you know, all the stuff you have there. So it's kind of yeah, backwards, but I do bring it all to the house and then.
2: just don't I mean, done. I, I feel like I did the same thing this past year, where I Brought everything I had. And then that night before the tournament is where I really is like, I'm just going to use this, the rest of staying, stay in the car and be done with it. That way I don't have to think about, Oh well, a crankbait might work here, or this might work yep. here. I just have that stuff that I know worked in practice, and I'm gonna make it work during the tournament.
3: Yeah, and then uh, you also know what things are maybe if those aren't working. What just a couple things you get out of there that are similar, or yeah, you, you could kind of here <clears> too. You just don't need to build and bring just all your tackle. Now, if you're on, a, if again, this is the mindset. If you're not the mindset of the skinny water backwaters. You're going to fish offshore, you're going to, you know, fish on the main lake, and you're in a Hobie Pro Angler 14 or something like that. New canoe, something with tons of ability to hold a lot of stuff, and you're not, you know, portaging over anything in, yeah. a, in a tournament like KBF where you can, or you're not, you know, whatever, launching somewhere crazy. You're just at a boat launch. What the heck, man? They bring like 10 rods, like 14 rods to see people with all these rods. They bring it all, they bring all their tackle. It's just not why I got into this. So, uh, yeah, it just doesn't work for our style, you know, or my style.
2: Yeah, I feel I'm like I said I'm very very similar with that. Like I feel like the more stuff I have, the more stuff I want to use, even if yeah. it's not working. Well, this worked. Let me try this, mm. and that's not good. Come tournament day, where you're yeah. trying things out just be, to try them out. Be scrambling, <laughs>
3: yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, the uh, the only other thing I will caution <laughs> you guys on again. I'm trying to just warn everybody the pitfalls because I feel like. I tend to, when I talk about stuff, I, I tend to make it sound and look easy. Um, people see me have success, you know, on the national scene, and they just assume it's it's easy, and it's just not at all. It's so hard. No, it's... Not not to, not when you're trying to do it this this style, but I will warn you, uh, some of the things I've made mistakes on, is a good example is down at Kissimmee. One, one tournament I did try to float down uh, a creek, and if you're not really, really good at uh, the map study and you can't really tell the difference of what – like hyacinth looks like compared to lily pads and you think they're lily pads uh, and you're going to fish new water, which I'm not scared to fish. You know, that it's actually happened quite a bit. Um, once you've done my style of pre-fishing, you've seen enough of the lake and you've scouted stuff out and you still can't, you know, maybe you haven't got to every one of your spots you wanted to get to, but all the time you had was the time you had and, and you still haven't found anything you think is a winning area i'm not scared to go you know if i got a couple more bullets to fire you know in two more days just one or two you know obviously two days you could go to you know two or three different places in a day but if i have a few bullets left to fire i'm not afraid to go to a totally new location because i know what's it's not going to happen there Those other spots it's not going to be one there i've seen what's there i don't feel good about it and i'm trying again it's, it's back to the mindset are you trying to just go have fun or go catch, just cast a check or just catch a limit. Are you trying to win? I'm trying to win. So I'm like, Hey, all my pre-fishing has got me nowhere. I am going to just fire off a couple of my last most likely spots where they have to be. if Cause so far I've figured out where they're not right. They're not here. So they gotta be, you know, somewhere else. So when you do that, here's my warning. When you do that, you, you know, like in Florida, that one year, last year I was, um, uh, I went all the way down a creek. I'm many miles down. I got to, to some like choked up hyacinth mats and I was able to get through a couple of them and it was open again. And then I got to a point where it was like, I mean, a mile or more of just matted up vegetation that you could not get through. No, no kayak, no motor in history. Nothing can get through this stuff. It's so like the roots are joined to the bank and then all those roots, and all those plants are separately joined all the way it's not budging like you're not getting yeah. through it so i had to hike out um a lot of you guys may remember that story or seen the fa- uh, instagram or facebook stories about it where i'm hiking out of a swamp you know knee deep sometimes in mud cypress knees everywhere just a swamp in a forest and i probably had to hike that thing you know a couple miles before i was two or three miles total maybe because i had to go i went out and then at some point i went back in once i looked on the map and realized That was all hyacinth and not lily pads. I saw on Google earth where it opened up again, where it looked like it. And I was hoping that that was a current enough image where it it was still true. I hiked it back in, ended up getting a limit still, you know, whatever had like decent, like, I don't know what I had that day. It was like low eighties or something, but um, wasted half my day doing that. So you got to be careful of getting yourself into situations like that uh, because it's, you know, it can happen. And, you know you waste your whole day and you're not yeah. gonna not gonna win if you're not making casts
2: yeah so yeah i, I get that completely well <laughs> it's been an hour since we've been out it's been a fast hour for yeah sure. Hey. <laughs> for sure um i don't want to keep you too much longer so uh final thoughts i normally i'm gonna start asking people at the beginning of the show but we started off hot you know um what uh, what does mindset mean to you as far as fishing and going forward in the tournament scene? I mean, to me, <laughs> it's a, it's a, I'm super competitive, and
3: again, like I, I get that everyone sees, oh, Drew's like whatever. Like maybe I'm known as. You know, really nice guy, whatever, but like in like deep down, like everybody that fishes these national trails, like, yeah, we're all friends, we're nice, nice guys. We all get along because you can't play defense in this sport, like it's like golf. Like, why not why not be friends with the people you're playing against? Because yeah, you can't really play defense anyway. But so, I say my, my
2: <laughs> quote is we're all friends until it yeah it's time to cast until that first cast. That's right. You know, that's
3: right. So it's the truth, man. It really is. Um, and then it's just like, you know just focus. And so the, my mindset uh, for this is very much like, you know, like I was talking to you earlier. I mean, I don't like to waste a second doing anything. And I think that every, every single cast can matter, you know, so I'm not out there Instagram and stories when I catch a fish during the tournament to to put it on my Facebook. And sometimes I'm not even posting (coughs) the fish um, live, even if I have signal, but it's not because I'm sandbagging just because, you know, my mindset is I'm, I have time for that later in the day that they give you a time I don't want to waste a second. I'm just super. And I know that my style of fishing and the, the locations I'm fishing, it's hard to compete against these guys on the lake. It's hard. I mean, especially with the electronics the where they are these days, it's not easy, man. So you need every extra cast every second you can get. So my mindset is just, it's ultimate, you know, river focus. And honestly it's um, there's a phrase and I'll say, it's kind of like, you know, you've heard of against the grain, right. That, you know, you go against the grain I feel like I go against the current, you know, I'm in the current, I got an uphill battle, you know, it's like your grandparents, whatever. I went uphill both ways to and from yeah. school. In the snow. I feel like my battle is super uphill. It's super challenging. I'm definitely I go against the current, um, compared to most people. So I'm just super hyper-focused and that's, that's what mindset means to me. It also, in a weird way, even though I'm super focused on the fishing, it's also, um, an escape. My mindset is it's, I finally all the work's been done, and I and the tournament is finally the day where I get to just go fish and have fun, and leave just burn it down, man. Leave nothing on the table, catch them all, and I can't do that pre-fishing. I can't do that when you know you're when I was filming Hooked on Wild Water show. I can't I can't just go fishing and have fun because the camera guys over here and they're saying we got to move here, we got to film this now. Oh, the lighting's not good. We got to go over here to this spot, hold the fish up, lighting. You can't just go fishing like you were when you were a kid just go have fun just nothing but fishing not worrying about anything else so that so i have a little bit of a crazy as it sounds more of a a peaceful calm just more fun mindset even though i'm very intense about trying to get the biggest five possible so
2: yeah that's it's a happy place yeah when i was doing a a podcast yesterday he he was saying the same thing where he's like he, he wants to win but he doesn't he doesn't want to go out with a you know and have a bad attitude right about the day or be mad that he's out there fishing just because the tournament.
3: Yep. Yeah. That's right. That's right, man. And you can't let it I mean, I get I get frustrated like anybody when I have bad events, but the thing that I think helps me is when you look at all the anglers and you follow like the fantasy <laughs> game, like you were saying, man, no one has good event after good event. I mean, they all everyone stumbles and and I, I fortunately have been kind of one, of one of the more like consistent I guess anglers but I've had dud events you know what I mean and a lot of actually a lot of some of those dud events were things I could have controlled like uh, hiking through the woods I could have floated that whole section and learned about that but sometimes it's just it is out of your control and conditions change situations change people change I remember KBF Lake Murray last year I had I had history in this location I've caught giant fish there other people were there fishing it with me and I couldn't, I couldn't catch them, or someone was always on a spot that I caught them at. Whenever I, I you know went to, went over to that spot, there was always someone there. And my, I just got out of my game and had a horrible tournament. You know, the second day caught three fish. So, the what I'm saying is, your mindset has to be of it's okay to not cash a check every tournament, or to be the top 50 percent even of every tournament. Like it's everyone's gonna have a clunker, um, you know, or, or you know, obviously. More likely, several every year, and you just got to keep going because Tiger Woods didn't make every cut as a you know, even yeah. at even the peak peak of his career, he made most of the time, but it just happens. To everybody, I just know people who feel like they've they get down on themselves. You know, they 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 don't make a, um, a check or they don't get even near the top or whatever, and they get down on themselves. And it's just it's just part of the game. You just got to go on to the next one, move on, yeah, and learn but... from it, because it's all one big tournament. In totality, all your tournaments are one big tournament. If you could have learned something from that failure and it helps you in the future, then you've actually helped because of that failure, you've actually potentially cast a checker one yeah. in another tournament. So
2: Well, I go off of what uh Swindle says where it's the most losing sport you would ever compete in. Because mm-hmm. the top like five yeah. percent of the time you're winning versus you're losing a lot more than you're winning. and so true. Like, <laughs> he so says true. he he goes out, and if he has a chance to win, great. But uh, his main concern is cashing a check and making the Bassmaster yep. Classic.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's a win. In, in and yeah. fishing, a cashing a check is considered a win, even though you didn't win. So yeah. for us, it's the top 10%. Or if you're at a Bassmaster event, it's like, they pay out the top 30 places, I believe still this year. So it's top 30, your local tournaments might be in you know, 10% as well. I'm not sure. A lot of the, most tournaments are 10%, but that's, that's a win. So you got to just shoot for that first. And if you happen to yeah. end up in the top spot, then, you know, it was your time, obviously. yep,
2: Yeah. That's a lot of people say you just got to wait for, wait for it to be your time. You can't always predict it. That's right.
3: And, and, and honestly, I've I've people, I mean, I've only done this now for two and a half years. Um, you know that one year, like I said, I fished at the very beginning. We were talking in 2000. and um, I don't know, not like 18. It saying... was five. I fished like five tournaments, and then I think, oh uh, no, that was 2019, I guess, and then 2020 and 21 are the only the first two years I've really gone in this full time where I'm fishing like 12 to 14 events. But you know, I've had some success, you know, whatnot. It, you know, but I've only won once, so. I think people would say, you know, I won angler, I won angler of the year, which I guess you could count that as another win. But I've only actually won, um, you know, right there, Lake Dardanelle yeah. once. But I've had a lot of second places and a lot of thirds and and top tens. Um, I feel like know,
2: it's better to be consistent than to always be winning. That's As right. far as first place goes. Yep, that's a
3: hundred percent. I mean, that that's fishing, man. You 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 can never you can't control what anybody else does, but, uh, you can only control what you do. So the fact that, you know, like for example, on Hobie, you know, I've fished nine Hobie bass open series and cash checks and eight, eight of nine. And that to me, like I'm winning, like that's a win. Those are all wins yeah. because I got checks. It wasn't just the one win. I'm thinking, Oh, I won You know? So, um, now I'll never be able to keep that pace up, you know, that's for sure. But, um, <laughs> the, the funny story about that is actually that Lake Dardanelle where I won, uh is actually the only one i didn't cast a check in the next time we went there so <laughs> you would think that oh you have history there you know that, that was i've won when i'd never fished there in you know ever before first time yeah. fishing there now i have history and not only history but good history where i won but that just shows you all how hard fishing is i think the second time i was there like... i was like 40 something out of you know 100 and probably uh 20 people and i had history there i'd won there so it's like it's yeah, that I mean, hard, it's, man. It's Fishing is just that hard.
2: Well, you see these elite guys. They go to the same lakes every yep. year, or every other year, and same thing. And some, sometimes they're, like, top 10, and the next time they go there, they're at 100th yep. place. It's and insane. It, it's, the lakes change. The fish change. They get used to certain things. They move around. You know, mm-hmm. It's out of our control because it really, it's really up to the weather yep. and what the fish do. Exactly. I I would still rather have a home
3: field advantage, even though it doesn't always seem to work out on, like you said, the elite series yeah. or like, like me at Dardanelle the second time, I still would rather have it, but it is just incredible. How many times like it does not pan out. I mean, Justin Atkins last year on Pickwick was everyone was picking him cause he's hometown right there. Uh, Bassmaster elite series. And he was in the last 10, 20%. He was the very, very bottom. I mean, it's just, yeah. I think, you know, history can also spin you out and you could try oh, to, can you know, hurt you big time. too many places and you try to do yeah. too much and <coughs> it just, you just spin out. So I spin out enough as it is without, <laughs> you know, just every day, yeah. ever, you know, cause I don't know what I have until tournament day. And that's why I'm always scared. And I'm always trying to figure out my plan B's and C's in case I see other people here, or what, what's going to happen. Um And I try to have, try to control it. And there's just, dude, this is what I love about the sport. It's just, so much is out of your control. And you try to control as much as you can, but you just, there's only so much you can control. And so that's, that's the beauty of it. It's a very unexpected that happens in our sport, the unknown. That's why we love the mystery of fishing. So.
2: Yeah. that's described perfectly. Like I say, you're learning every single time you're out there. Yeah. For for sure.
3: (laughs) Yep. Never gets old. All right, buddy. Well, this has been fun.
2: Yeah. uh, I want to give you a chance to shout out some sponsors before we leave, man.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I've got uh, quite a few and I don't, usually I'll forget them if I try to list them all. So I'll just tell you guys to, you know, obviously you guys know I'm with Crescent Kayaks. I'm designing um, kayaks with them now. We got our, our first model coming out here pretty soon that I designed, but uh, we have a full line of boats over there. You guys check them out. Um, we we do keep it simple at Crescent. Uh, we're paddle first company. We don't do any pedal boats. USA made and a lot of, you know, importance on lightweight and paddle ability. So if you are in the mindset of doing, you know, uh, fishing tournaments the way I like to fish them, kind of remote places, wild places that might be hard to access. It's a good boat. You know, we make a good boat for that several. The CK1 Venture, the, the ultralight, the light tackle, uh, and then even this new one we have coming out. So you guys just um, check them out. Uh, other than that, you know, Realtree Fishing is my headline sponsor and Z-Man is my my main lure sponsor. Um, you know, Yak Attack, Power Pole, other big sponsors of mine that supporters at GoPro and um, but other than that, I don't I'm just going to say, follow me on social media. You'll see all the <laughs> other sponsors. Cause I'm going to, you know, if I try to list them all, then I forget them. But yeah. I just wanted to mention those, those main few there that I really appreciate their support every year. And then just follow me at drew Gregory fishing on YouTube on, well, I don't post as much on YouTube, but you can still subscribe there if you want. Um, and then Instagram, it's uh, drew Gregory fishing as well. And Facebook page. It's the same. Uh, thank Everything pretty much is. So go find me. And, uh, catch the river bass and podcast if you want to learn more about this uh style and mindset we we started it back and we'll be having a few more uh episodes probably one live one a month and then one that's it's not live um and then some other filler in between some other people so check it out
2: yep thank you again for joining all
3: right man
1: see ya see ya thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on paddle and finn